Hello, Sawbona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. The message is entitled, Who is the Greatest? Ah, I knew it. As soon as I say the thing, Mac is already saying Cristiano Ronaldo, and I'm going to say, no, it's Messi. You know, the world we live in <laughs> is absolutely obsessed with greatness. Who is the great, greatest? The greatest sports team, the greatest athlete, the greatest singer, the greatest statesman, the greatest rock and roll band. Who, what is the greatest nation? Let's make America great again. <laughs> Who does that sound like? <laughs> you know, there's, there's this desire in, in, in all of us for greatness. We're, we're obsessed with it. We talk about it. We, we've got all these lists of who is the greatest of this, of who is the greatest of that, or who is the greatest of all time. You know, it's, it's like we, we're obsessed with who is the greatest. There's a desire in each, of every, each and every one of us for, for greatness. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and am I not right? Look into your own heart this morning. Would you, would you like to be unknown in the background and disappear forever and nobody ever knew that you were here or that you were even alive. No. There's something inside of all of us that's just like we want meaning, we want significance, we want recognition, we want accolades, we want to be noticed, we want to be rewarded, we want to be, we want to be noticed, we want to be celebrated, we want to get a medal one day. Anyone still looking for a medal? <laughs> uh, um, you know, there's something in us that really desires this. And this was the same with the disciples of Jesus. Um, they started arguing in Luke chapter 9 about who was the greatest amongst them. And they didn't just have this argument once. They actually had this argument twice. Okay, they argued, who is the greatest amongst them? And, and the, the, you can understand because the disciples were, were, were watching Jesus in action. They were seeing this, this, the Messiah was in front of their eyes. They, they, and they had this mentality that he was going to establish a government and that he was going to take over. And then the whole world would be under his authority. And that would mean that the job for minister of finance or economic or the whatever premier would, would be available you know and and who would get the title who would get the position and so there was this jostling of power amongst them as to who would be the greatest not once but twice and Jesus we know his response we're going to look at his response but but we look at them and we go what a bunch of knuckleheads here you know, like we, really, we look at them because we have the, the beauty of hindsight and we know what Jesus came to do. And, and we, th we think they're knuckleheads. But, but let's be honest this morning. That desire is in each and every one of us. That desire, we, we're looking for a, a great lifestyle. We're looking for a great life. We're looking for a great position in the, in the corporate world or in society or in our neighborhoods or how many likes. How, when we post on social media, what, we want likes. Am, am I not right? Imagine if you posted one day and you didn't get one like. How would you feel? And imagine it was like your graduation that you posted picture of your graduation or your your 20th anniversary and then like like a day later you look zero likes how would you feel in that moment some of you would, would need counseling and 
<laughs> or you've got that new hairstyle or that new outfit and it's like the, it's your Sunday best and you got the snap of it and you post it and a day later there's, there's nothing. It's like you'll be checking is the internet broken? <laughs> is the Wi-Fi down? Is there something wrong with the Facebook must be messed up? I can't believe I didn't get one like. That desire is in each and every one of us. And you know what religion does? Religion says this. Religion says that this is a bad desire. Religion says that this is really not a good desire. This is something that you need to deny and you need to push aside. And isn't, didn't Jesus rebuke his disciples after all about this desire for greatness and all, all this argument that broke out amongst them? What, did he not rebuke them? And so therefore, if we want to be good Christians, we need to kill this thing, this desire we have for significance, for recognition. We have to kill that thing, die, and, and let it go in order to be a Christian. I want to propose to you today that actually this is a God-given desire. That actually you were born for greatness. That actually you were made in the image of a great God. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. And Genesis 1.26 says that you are made in the image and the very likeness of a great God. What if I told you this morning that your desire for greatness is not something to be denied and pushed aside and, and, and feel ashamed of and, and guilty of, but actually something to be cherished, something to actually be pursued and cultivated and looked after and actually go after with your life? Well, that's what I want to share with you this morning, that actually you were designed for greatness. That actually our theology on this topic has been a little bit skew, I think, and a little bit bondage related <laughs> rather than empowerment related. So I'm going to show you from the scriptures that actually God wants you to be great. I'm going to show you that, okay, because I know there's still some skeptics here this morning going, ah. I'm going to show you. I've got scriptures for you this morning. But as we journey, as we journey on this, as we look at that, what, one thing you're going to notice this morning is that there are two definitions of greatness. There is a greatness definition according to the world. There's a way that the world defines what is great. And there's a way that the world says you can be great. And then there is another definition of greatness. It's the Jesus definition of greatness. And there's a way that the Bible says that you can have the Jesus way for greatness. So maybe it's just, it's not that we must quench this, this desire for greatness, but rather that we must put it into the right place. And as we do that this morning, this is really our goal this morning, is to put our desire into the right place and aim at the right thing and go after the way God wants us to go after it. But as we do that, what we're going to find this morning, and this is really the bottom line of, of the word this morning, is that the greatest of all is the servant of all. That greatness is linked to serving. Serving equals greatness. So if you have a Bible, go to Matthew chapter 20. Can we stand to our feet and let's pray our prayer before we get into the Word this morning. Let's stand, come on, to honor the Word. Let's go. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe your plans for me are good and that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life 
healing and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. Greatness to be pursued. Wayne, prove it. Sure, I'll prove it to you. So God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And he says to Abraham, Abraham, A.B. <laughs> I will make a great nation from you. And I will make your name great. So Abraham is really the father of what? Our faith. He's the starting point. Abraham had faith in God. And so we draw our faith. We, we look at him as we call him the father of our faith. He was the man that God started with in his plan for redemption for mankind. And so he comes to the first guy, the, the start of the, the whole nation of Israel, and he says these words. He says, I will make a great nation from you, and I will make your name great. Question, if greatness was something to be denied in us, then why would God come to someone, the father of our faith, and promise him greatness and that he would make his name great? Why would God do that? Well, because we were designed for greatness. And then often, actually, we aim too low with our lives. And often, we, 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 we have a false sense of humility, and, and, we, and we shrink back from the calling on our lives. And we shrink back from what God is doing in our hearts and, and, what he's, and the picture that He gives us and the destiny that He puts into our hearts and the dreams that He puts in our hearts. And often we shrink back from that. But I want you to see this morning that God is a God of destiny and, and His destiny is to bring that out in your life and to make something great from your life. You know, I, I really believe that when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, it says that, it says, that I will put my spirit in you, Joel chapter 2, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. When the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, God gives us dreams and pictures for our future. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He comes in and He inspires you with a life that you could possibly live. It's a picture of destiny. It's a picture of purpose. And I want you to know that that is the great life that God has called you to. This is what he does to Abraham, and he says, this is what I've called you to. There's an image, there's a, there's a redeemed, sanctified, God-given image, destiny that he's put in our lives, and we must not deny that thing. We, if we deny that thing, I, we're doing the wrong thing. If we just, no, oh, I'll just be that, I'll just do the, I'll stay here, I'll just, we are, we are not pleasing God like that. But when we say, Lord, that's so big, that's so crazy, I don't know if I could do that, but I'm going to follow you. We honor God. And I really believe God has that plan and He's got that purpose for each and every one of you here this morning. He, he wants to make something great from your life. Why? Because He's a great God. He's got a great plan for your life. Often I think we just think too small. We're thinking too low. We're thinking, we're thinking wrong, we're thinking, and, and, and then religion comes and encourages you to think that and say, you're just, you're just a worm, stay low. Don't think too big, don't be a dreamer. <laughs> but God has put visions and He's put pictures in our hearts and we must learn to discern between the vision that He has given us and the world's vision that the world offers to us. 
There is a holy, sanctified vision for our lives that God gives. And there is a false, perverted picture that the world will give to us. And we must be able to discern the two and know that our, which, which one our heart is aligning to and pursue the one that God gives to us. Amen. Amen. Fast forward, the Sermon on the Mount. All right, we're in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is laying down the foundations of his kingdom. He's talking about, you know, how his kingdom works and who's in his kingdom and who, how it's not. It's like one of the greatest sermons ever, Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6. And in Matthew chapter 5, he says these words. He says, if you do these things, you will be, let's read it together. If you do this, if you do this, you, question, if Jesus <laughs> doesn't want you to be called great in the kingdom, why would he tell you how to be called great in the kingdom? <laughs> he wants, he's throwing this out. He's telling us all about his kingdom. And then he says, if you do this, you will be called great in the kingdom of God. In other words, guys, there's position, there's reward, there's accolade, there's a place for the desire that I put in your heart. And it's not in the world, it's in my kingdom. And so what you need to do is align your desires and your purpose and your destiny with that picture that I have for you in my kingdom, and there will be reward for it. There will be, you will be called great. You know, one of the scariest things about heaven, I find, is this, is that they, some will be called least and some will be called great. Hey, isn't that like a bit of an ish? Like they will, be, like it's not, heaven is not like this communist setup. Like everyone gets the same amount of land, everyone's got the same amount of joy, everyone's got the same amount of this, the same amount of that, you know. It's, a, it's like, it's actually, it's like it's not there. It's in the Bible. There will be least and there will be great. And Jesus is saying like, this is how. If you want to be great, this is how you're being great. What is he appealing to? He's appealing to the way he's designed you. He's appealing to you and, and, and it's for us to, Grab it and run with it with faith. Amen? Amen? So that's there. He's parting words to us in John 14 with this. He says, I am going to heaven, but greater works shall you do because I am going to the Father. <laughs> I want you to see the heart of Jesus. Jesus' heart was not just to come to earth and wow us. And like we go, woohoo, Jesus, you're the man. Jesus, you know, you we celebrate him. Da, da, da. Wow, Jesus, do I, Jesus? No, his whole purpose was to empower us and be a model for us and a, a prototype for us. And then the idea was to give us everything that we need conquer sin, death, uh, Satan, all on the cross, empower us with the word, direction, the kingdom values, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that you can go and do greater works than him he looks at us as every nation durban and he's like take the city guys take the city take the neighborhoods take your take your block take your residence take your go go out do do greater things whatever you saw in me have faith that you i we can do you can do greater now because i'm on the throne I, jesus is not insecure he's not like whoa fanel is getting a little too hot down there she healed some people people are starting to notice i i i, I just need to take some power from her quickly you know no, he's like, let's get the kingdom advancing. Every place taken, you know. We're here to take over. Every square inch of this world, there's not a square inch that he doesn't say, this belongs to me. All right, and we're the vessel through which he wants to take a greater works. You were designed for it. 
great at works. This is what he wants from us. And so, even, even in the book of the Revelation, what we see is that he says, to him who overcomes, I'll grant you the right to sit on my throne. <laughs> Can you believe he actually said that? I will grant you the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down on my father's throne. So I want you to see this morning that your desire for greatness is not a bad thing. It's actually a God-given thing. It's just got to be channeled in the right way. Because the world is going to offer you a picture of greatness, a temporal thing, and it's going to get you to want to pursue it and put energy into it and go after it. And all the while, Scripture is holding up another picture and saying, no, 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 this is it, this is it. And your ability to discern between the two and go after the true thing and not the deceptive thing is going to be how you become great. Amen. So the Jesus way is very different. Are you in Matthew 20? Matthew 20, verse 17. Jesus called them to himself and he said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. But those who exercise authority, uh, sorry, and those who, who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to be great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So in this picture we're looking at right now, is really Jesus is saying, this is how we become great. He's saying there's a difference between the world and between his kingdom. And the world is like, it's all about how many people love you, adore you, like your stuff, follow you. The kingdom is all about like, you know, people adoring you, you being over people, above people, and, and everyone, recognition and praise going to you. The kingdom greatness is different. The kingdom greatness is, is God-centered. And it's about how much you are serving, how much you are empowering other people around you, how much you are lifting them up and being a blessing to them. You know, when God came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, he said, Abraham, I'm going to make you great. I'm going to make a great nation from you. I'll make your name great. And then he adds these words, and you will be a blessing to nations. In other words, greatness is wrapped up in how much you are a blessing to the world around you. How much do you bless the world? How much do you bless those in your workplace, in your church, in your family, in your neighborhood? Do they, are, they, are they feeling the love of God through you? Are their lives better because of you? You know, that is greatness in the kingdom of God. And it's so opposite to the, to the world picture of greatness and so we've got to be wise we've got to be discerning we can't give our lives our energy our effort all to the world's picture at the neglect of what true greatness is and you know what the problem with this like we read scriptures like this and then another like this religious mind kicks in and we go okay i need to be the slave of all oh doormat here we come okay i'm gonna sell everything I'm going to like quit my job and I'm just, I'm going to like, just like sweep the floor and do nothing, like be low, as low, I'm going to go low. Like watch me, I'm going low. 
know? It's like this, this mentality of like we read these words of Jesus and, and that, that's not what Jesus is saying in this passage. We, you know, that's the wrong perspective, okay? It's, it's, it's not wealth and position and title are not bad things. They're only bad if they, you're using them to serve yourself and your own comforts. In fact, sometimes you can serve God better with wealth, position, and titles than if you don't. So, the, you know, a, a little while ago in history, there was this man called William Wilberforce. And he was like battling with this very thing. He was like, I want to serve God. I want to do something great. He came from a wealthy family. He had, a, had education. He had a position in parliament. And, and he wanted just to walk away from all of that title, accolade, recognition, all of that stuff, and just go to the mission field and give it all away and just serve God there. But then there was these very wise people who came and sat him down and they said, William Wilberforce, we believe that you don't need to do that to serve God, but that you could actually serve God right where you are with the position, with the authority, with the education, with the, the title that you carry in part of, right there you can serve God. And when that revelation sunk in, he realized that God had given him everything. And it's not to deny all of that stuff, but to use that stuff for God's glory. And through that mentality, through that understanding, he launched a campaign that ended slavery in the British Empire. And made it a forever taboo in the Western world. I mean... We must understand that we, we mustn't get this like false concept of like what Jesus was saying. Like that, that now to be a leader is like a bad thing. He, he used himself in the scripture as an example. Remember, Jesus was a leader. He was a leader. He organized. He delegated. He commanded. He had no problem like organizing and delegating and being a leader. But he was a servant leader. His leadership was never about drawing attention unto himself, but always unto the Father, and never about how well or much he could have or be served, but how could I use the position, the authority, the anointing, the gift, the grace of God in my life to empower others and advance the kingdom of God. It's just the right mentality. It's the right mentality. And so we mustn't come into this, this whole talk about greatness with this, all these old religious mindsets of being worms and, and just selling everything. No, it's about adopting a heart, a mentality of, no, I'm living for the greatness of God and I'm living to advance God's kingdom wherever He puts me, with whatever He puts in my hands, wherever I find myself in society. Can somebody say amen to that? That's why Paul wrote in Philippians 2, he was like, let this mind be in you, he says. And he's talking, what he was talking about was the mind that Jesus has, that he did not stay in the comfort of heaven, but he gave the comfort of heaven up and he became a servant for us, right? And therefore God exalted him and gave him the highest place. So you're saying, let this mind be in you, that 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 whatever you do, don't stay in your comfort of, of self-glory, but, but become a servant and empower others and live for the kingdom. You know, I, was, I was listening to a podcast of this 
CEO who runs a large corporation. And he said this. He said, you know what? I, I realize God has blessed me with a lot of things. He's blessed me with a lot of positions. I've got a great position. I've got great everything. You know, he, he has a great life, okay? And he says, but you know where I start my day? I start my day in the mailroom. So he starts, that's like the bottom of his, like his, his empire. He goes to the bottom every day, and he takes three hours to go from the mailroom through every department in his business until he arrives at his desk. And all he does is he just listens. He just meets people and he listens. He meets people and he listens. He meets people and listens. He says because the time he wants to sit in his chair, he wants to know that he's there to serve the people in his business. People, I want you to know that is greatness. That is greatness. I want you to know that that gets the eyes of Jesus. Jesus goes, that's it. You got it. You, that's what greatness in the kingdom of God is all about. This is the heart we need to carry. Amen? So, so we carry this heart. Where do we carry this heart? We carry this heart to our homes. We serve our spouses. We serve our kids. We serve our brothers, our sisters, our family. We serve. Amen? Workplace. I want to ask you, how are you serving the people in your workplace? Do they feel served? <laughs> do your colleagues like, you know, what do, what, do you, what do you see that they need? Meet that need. Your neighbors, your, your neighborhood, how do you see your neighbors? Do you see what they're going through? And, and do you know what the needs are? And can you meet those needs? Serve wherever you are, in whatever place you are, and the Bible says serving becomes greatness. This is an important value to carry into all of our life, this, this heart to serve. Okay? But there's a place the Bible says <laughs> that we should especially serve. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 10, it says this. It says, if you have the occasion to do good to others... Do that good to others. In other words, wherever you are and you've got the opportunity to do good and serve, do that. But then it goes on in the same scripture and it says, but see that you especially do good to those in the house of God. So like while we carry this, this desire, I mean, this heart to serve wherever we are in our workplaces or wherever, there's a place the Bible says that we should especially carry this this attitude and it should be in the house of God that we must do good to all men but especially can you say especially can you look at somebody this morning and say especially 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 there is a place like you must have this heart and you must do this heart at work you must do this but there is one place where like there's an especially, like there's an emphasis, there's an importance, there's a, like an extra emphasis of like go show it everywhere, but make sure that you show it in the house of God. Why? Because Jesus said this. He said that, you will know that they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have for each other. So in this room right now, can I have a little look around? Okay. Is he going to look around? 
It's not a spouse-looking opportunity. This is just a look around, okay? <laughs> Some of you are linking, hey, Valentine's Day is coming. I got to, <laughs> I got to make it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, there is an especially attached to the people in this room. There's an especially. Like, God is happy that you're serving on the neighborhood watch. He's really happy that you're serving in your workplace. But he's especially looking to see your heart right here. Like, how much are you loving this? Why? Because he said, this will be the mark of my church. This is the mark of my kingdom. People, it was wonderful that they experienced it out there. But if there's any way that they really need to experience it, it has to be here. It must be here in my house. That this must be like the first starting point where we learn the value of serving, the heart of serving, we practice serving, and then we carry it from here out to the world because we'll be known by our love that we have for one another. Not only that, but because we are the body of Christ. We are the vessel through which people encounter Jesus. So you see, in, in 1 Peter, I've got another scripture for you here. Chapter 4. Look at what it says. We're going to just like, dissect this for a moment. It says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Anyone speaks, they should do so as the one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Let's read the yellow part. So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. The, the purpose of all serving, the, the goal of all serving is that people would encounter God, that God would be praised, that God would be recognized, that the kingdom would advance. And so like if you take a church, for example, like we are this morning, we have different teams and ministries at work, but all of them exist not so that we can be a great church, but so that we can show that in all things that Jesus bring people to Jesus, so that he would be praised, that he would be lifted up, so that as a visitor walks through the door, there's a team that welcomes them. Hey, how are you doing? Helps them find their seat. They, they feel like, oh, okay, I can, I can relax in this place, you know? Then, then there's like, you know, someone serves them like a welcome back. Here's more information about us. And, and then in the, in the worship, the worship that, that is being served, because remember, this is a service, Okay, this was labor. This was like, this was like what we had here this morning was restaurant experience. Yesterday, they were here and they had kitchen experience. How many of you know the kitchen experience is pretty different to the restaurant experience? <laughs> you know, if you've ever worked in a kitchen, I worked in a kitchen for many years. You know, not many years, sorry. I've worked in the kitchen, okay? Oh, really? Thank you, my darling. <laughs> I worked as a chef. In a, in a pub in London, okay? And so I know kitchen. Kitchen is chaos, it's dirty. Restaurants, you walk through the door, it's like, you know, elevator music and <laughs> people eating and chit chat chatter happening and, you know? And the kitchen is like, hey, where's the thing off? Get that thing off the stove. Get another order coming to you. You know, it's like, it's wild, you know? But, but, but what the worship team did was they, they had their kitchen experience and then they served not so that you could look at them this morning and go, oh, 
you know, look at Steve, she's so amazing, she's so confident, you know, look at these guys, how they play, you know, wow, no, all of it was to serve you in such a way that you could be here this morning and encounter Jesus, that Jesus would be praised in your life, so that you walked through the door, somebody made you feel comfortable, you came in, you sat down, this worship experience was like giving glory to God that naturally you, you were looking at them first, but then eventually your eyes started doing that. And like this, and your hands maybe even went up, you know? Maybe, you know, I don't know where you're at with that yet. I'm prophesying. They're going to go. They get higher, okay? <laughs> and, and that you encountered Jesus. So they did that so that you would, you would encounter Jesus. And then after the, that, you have the, these announcements, and then you, then you have a preacher, the skinny white guy. And, and this moment is not about like waynesministries.com. This, this moment is like if, if, if you walk out of here with that and you go, wow, that preacher's great, then I failed in my job. My job is this time right now is to help you experience Jesus better help you to see Him better, understand Him better, that you walk out of here going, Jesus is incredible, God is real, God is in my life, I understand the kingdom, I know how to live the kingdom. That's the goal of preaching. Then you walk out after the service, and there's ushers, and they greet you, and they take you to the connect zone, and somebody baked something for you yesterday, and they brought it here so that you could eat it and, and drink coffee and tea and like fine sugar, and someone paid for that coffee and tea so that you could drink it there and then experience and then someone friendly came and sat with you and the whole thing <laughs> is not to do this thing called church but it's so that you could encounter Jesus you know in particular you know I want to honor the 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 spouses and the parents in that parents room right there right now who who are there with the small ones so that maybe the other half can be here this is what Trish and I used to do, you know, it was like, tag, okay, I'll, I've got the kids this week. You go and enjoy church, encounter Jesus. So the whole point of all serving, all serving, is so others can encounter Jesus. That is the object of it, that is the purpose of it. When it stays like that, it stays healthy. It stays good. It's, it, it's, it, it attracts the blessing of God. And not only that, you qualify yourself for greatness in the kingdom. Jesus said this, not even a cup given, not even like a cleaning a cup on a Sunday and making sure that like somebody came to church and they, they had a clean cup, not even that goes unnoticed in the kingdom. There's like this, I think this is like the supercomputer, like this incredible computer in heaven, and it's just recording everything. Singing did that, singing did that, and singing in the extra hours and the preparation of It's all adding up. Ching, 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 ching. Bottom line, bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. And you will be rewarded for it. You'll be rewarded. And so the question is can you sacrifice the, uh, the world's idea of temporal greatness? For a kingdom idea of eternal greatness. What, can you do that? And, and, and I think if Jesus was here today, he would encourage you, please do that. Like I got rewards that are way outweigh the rewards that you can look for in this world. Rather take on the heart of a servant and be the servant of all. And let me tell you something, I'll reward you, I'll give you, I'll bless you. You will, you will not be disappointed when you come. You will not be disappointed. When you're there. Amen. So what does it take in order to serve? Well, look at this passage here. It says, 
Use whatever gift you have received. What is the gift on your life? What, what, do, you, what do you have? Can you sing? Can you dance? Can you sew? Can you knit? Can you play the ukulele? Can you, what, 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 what is the gift on your life? Are you organizational? Are you leadership motivated? Are you mercy motivated? Are you compassion motivated? Are you service motivated? Are you teacher motivated? Are you encourager motivated? There's all these gifts in the Bible that God gives to us, and it says, use whatever gift you have received. So if you're going to use whatever gift you have received, then it makes sense that you know what your gift is. So the first thing, if you're going to get this thing right, is know thy gift. <laughs> know thy gift. Know it. Like, what, what is it? And, and listen, that is a process of discovery. How do you discover it? Do you sit and wait for that moment where God just, like, drops it into your heart that this is what you need to do? No, you just get involved. You just get involved. And through serving in different places, in different ministries, you start to realize, oh, hang on, this is... This is my clique. This is where I'm at. You know, this is, this is what God has made me and designed me for. And, and so don't sit on your gift. He's given you a gift. If you're here this morning and you're thinking, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know if I have a gift. Um, I, or maybe you're thinking, I don't have a gift. I want you to know that you do. Okay? You are wired. God has built something into you. But there might be a process to unlocking it. Okay, and so don't sit back in depression and say, well, I can't do what these guys can do. I want you to know that there is a place for everybody in the body of Christ. Listen, when you go to that serve tab on the website and you look at the different teams and ministries that are there and where you can serve, I, if, if, if after a while of serving in those teams, you realize that you're actually more fitted to do this I want you to know that we, that's when we start a new ministry. And you come to us and we're like, okay, let's, let's see how we can get that ministry working within the church. We ultimately, you know, we, we don't want to build church into this like little box of this is the only places. We, we want you to come and say, well, actually, I've got a gift for this and I can do this and I would like to do this in the church. And, and, and by doing that, you're not being arrogant or you're not intruding or you're not upsetting the apple cart. We are not some religious organization trying to keep the norm. We are trying to create what the body of Jesus. We're trying to be the body of Jesus. And everybody has a place in the body of Jesus. Everybody's got it. So we don't want to be that, right? So, so maybe your ministry's not there. Just get involved somewhere and, and, and then raise it with us. And, and let's birth that thing and let's get that thing going. It would be the wrong mind to sit here and go, this church doesn't have a place for me to serve, therefore I cannot serve. That would be a wrong mentality. Uh, the right mentality is, no, well, how has God wired me? How can I use my gift? And come with that gift. Come, bring it to the table. You're not being arrogant. You're not being anything. Bring it to the table. Let's see how we can release that into the church so you can be a blessing. So number one, know thy gift. Number two, be a faithful steward of your gift. Steward thy gift. <laughs> what do I mean by being a steward of your gift? Well, we'll grow in it. Like, learn, master it. Be the best at it. When it says faithful steward, it's actually saying, be amazing at it. 
That's what faithful steward means. If, if, you're, if you're in the hospitality ministry, let it be the best hospital. Let it be better than the Hilton Hotel, people. You know what I mean? Like, if, whatever the world standard is, let's go one notch higher because we're kingdom, amen? Like, let's, like if, you're, if your job is singing or whatever, train your voice. If, you're, if your job is teaching, become the best teacher. If you're leading a connect group, become the best leader. Do whatever, the, the best disciple maker, whatever the grace is, wherever you find your steward it. Be good at it. Be excellent at it. Grow at it. Listen to a couple podcasts on it. Educate yourselves on it. You know what? Refine your life around it because ultimately, it's not for the world's accolade. It's not for anyone else but the king. And he sees that. He sees that. He sees your effort. He sees your labor. He sees what you're trying to do and the backgrounds to sharpen yourself and get better at what you're doing. And he rewards you with that. And your gift will make way for you, the Bible says. Your gift will make way for you. If you sharpen your gift, if you work on your gift, it will make way for you. Amen. You will start to, what does that mean? That means that you will start to step in the calling and destiny that God has placed on your life. But know thy gift and then steward thy gift. Okay? And the result is that Jesus will be glorified in everything. I want to finish this morning with a, with a picture. Okay? Take a look at this picture. It's a statue of Jesus in Strasbourg in Europe. Okay. And this church where the statue is was bombed in the World War II. And it was a complete mess and they started digging up the rubble and started building up the church again. And when they, they found the statue of Jesus underneath all the rubble, and when they pulled him out, he was like, they were shocked. He was like, he's still there. <laughs> he's still intact. The only thing missing was his hands. And so they, they pulled him up, they dusted him off, they rebuilt the church, they put him up outside the church, and then somebody in that whole renovation process said, listen, I can repair those hands. Can you please enable me? I'll, I'll fix the hands of Jesus so the statue can be what it's meant to be. And the congregation thought about it. I love the way that. They actually thought about it for a while, and they said, no. And this is what they said. Why? They said, our broken statue touches the spirits of men, but that he has no hands to minister to the needy or feed the hungry or enrich the poor except our hands. He inspires, we perform. That is a correct theology. That is a correct theology. A theology that says, I am the hands and feet of Jesus. I am the body of Christ. And if I'm the body, that means I must be connected here. I must show the servant heart out there wherever I am, get on those you know, school committees and whatever it is and serve and serve wherever, but especially so in the house of God, that this is a place where you will see the servant in me. Amen. Can we stand to our feet? I want us to just read a poem by St. Teresa of Averill, I think it is. And um, the way I want us to do it is I'd like you to turn to somebody. Can everybody get a partner? And then I'd like you, one person, to read the poem to the other person, and then the other person to read the poem to them. Can we do that? It might be a little messy this morning, and maybe you don't know the person next to you yet. I'm sorry. Now you can get to know them. But, but could you read the poem to them, and then let them read it to you? All right. Go for it. <clears throat>
Are you done? Isn't that a powerful poem? Can we pray? Can we pray? Father, we gather this morning as your body. And, and we realize that we are your hands and we are the feet of Jesus. And we realize that true greatness is found in serving. And we ask this morning, Father, that this revelation, or that one that Wilberforce got, that, that one, Lord, would sink into our hearts this morning. That, Lord, we would think of ourselves and we would think of greatness as being the servant of all. Serving the, our families, our spouses, our, our kids, all those around us, but especially those in this house here this morning. But we believe your eyes are on us this morning and you want to you see how we serve the people in this room. So we pray, help us. Help us to come out of our fears, our insecurities. Lord, help us to avail ourselves. Lord, for those of us who are so busy, we don't have any room to serve. We're so under the whip of the world. I pray that you help us to, to make margin in our lives. That we could actually arrive early and leave late. So that we could be a blessing to others. We, that we would create some sort of space in our week where we can actually serve those in the house of God. Lord, I pray for help with our schedules and our time. Lord, we don't want to give ourselves to the world and chasing the world's idea of greatness and not pursue greatness in your kingdom like you, like you invited us to do, Jesus. For those of us amongst us this morning who are, who are feeling insignificant, feeling like they don't matter, and feeling like they don't have a gift to give, I pray for the empowerment of your Spirit upon them right now. Lord, I break off the shackles of insecurity and fear, the fear of man, the fear of not measuring up, the fear of being known. Lord, all of those fears that we have to overcome to, to get into the body and be active in your body. Lord, we break those in the name of Jesus this morning. Lord, that none of us would be held back. Lord, by incorrect thinking about who we are and what we have to offer. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come upon every person this morning and inspire every person with a vision for greatness. May we all learn just to take one step in the right direction each and every day, Father God, so we can see your kingdom come. Lord, we also pray this morning for, for corporate South Africa. Lord, imagine, we imagine this morning, Lord, if all our corporates, Lord, our, got this understanding of being servant leaders, of serving and building South Africa. So we pray for every corporation, Father. Lord, with all their massive budgets and all their wasting, Lord, on, on stuff that's just so irrelevant, Father God. 
And we pray this morning for servant leadership to flood the nation. We pray, Father God, that men and women across this nation would start to realize that their position, their title, and their wealth is there for a blessing to be to others lord that they're there to serve and empower and lift up lord that we would see the inequality gap in our nation changed father god that we would cross that gap would get lower and lower and lower all the time father god we pray for even our government this morning father god that the heart of a servant would come into our, our mayor, our deputy, our presidents, the, the whole committee, Lord, the, the directors, the, everyone, Lord, the national committees, Father God. We pray for servant leaders to rise up across our nation, Lord God. Well, what a beautiful nation we would be if we all embraced this and lived this, Lord. Oh God, let it come over South Africa. Let a wave of servant-heartedness come. Let models come. Let examples come, Father God. Let a new culture be built, Lord God. Not about me and how much I've got and I'm the billionaire with the bucks, but rather a culture of empowerment and serving, Lord Jesus. Pray for our nation this morning, God. I believe you to move this kingdom value and entrench it deep into us, Lord God. Lord, we think about Madiba and what an example he was of a servant leader, Lord God. Lord, I pray our nation would not forget that. We would not forget the example you gave us, Lord God. That we would be leaders in the world when it comes to servant-heartedness. We ask you to empower us in your mighty name this morning. Lord, I pray your, your blessing over this congregation, Lord. I pray your empowerment. Lord, may you bless every business, every family, every home. Lord, I ask you to lift up your countenance upon this congregation and give every person peace. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you.